Hello and welcome to another episode of the Yang Gang Podcast. We're your hosts, Connor Mabon and Evan Schaub. With us this afternoon is Agatha Basilar. She is currently running for Congress here in San Francisco, California's 12th district, a seat currently held by Nancy Pelosi. She will also be speaking at the Universal Basic Income March here in San Francisco, Saturday, October 26th, 1 to 4, at the Civic Center Plaza. Agatha, thank you for being with us this afternoon. Thank you so much, Connor and Evan. I'm glad to be here. Uh, so before we get into the Universal Basic Income March, um, we kind of want to get to know a little bit about your background. And I, I saw something uh, before we got on air about um, you, you fancy yourself finding yourself in the uh, intersection of technology and democracy. Do you mind expanding mm -hmm. on that? Yeah, sure. So before I declared candidacy this year, I was a founding member of a nonprofit called Democracy Earth that is I would consider at the intersection of internet and democracy. So we were building blockchain-based or open source voting software so that you can have fair and free elections and upgrade the way that we hold democracies today so that you can empower people to express themselves in real time and hold leadership accountable to the will of the people. Why, why do you feel so compelled to to run for office. For those who don't know, you're running for California's 12th con congressional district, which is um, currently represented by Nancy Pelosi, who is the Speaker of the House. Um, and that's a very big seat. Does that intimidate you at all? Of course it does every now and, and then. And, you know, every day people tell me, you're crazy or, you know, you have no chance or you should dro just drop out now. Um, but I think it's really important um, to challenge incumbents and to say that we need a different future. And I don't mean to run a disrespectful campaign to Pelosi. Um, she's been serving San Francisco for 32 years, but we need to think about what, we, what kind of future we need. And from my experience, other than working at Democracy Earth, I was uh, working on political advocacy and documentary storytelling at a social justice group called Emerson Collective. And there I was traveling across the entire country. This is actually something that I resonate with Andrew Yang, just traveling around the country, seeing firsthand how most Americans are living. You know, there was one project that I got to shadow with a photographer named Matt Black. Uh, he was doing a geography of poverty project where he was photographing every city in the United States that had poverty rates above 20%. And that, if you look at the dots on the map of where those towns and cities are, it's everywhere. That is a common shared experience across so many Americans. And we've gone to a point where that is untenable. The inequality is too high. Power is consolidated in the hands of too few people. Um, and we don't even see a diversity of leadership in Congress, which I'm worried could isolate an entire generation of especially young people who feel like government doesn't serve them, that their voice doesn't matter when corporate interests are drowning out their voices. And if you get me started on other topics like the environment, mm -hmm. healthcare, I mean, it, we're not, just, they're not being advocated for. It just seems like across the board, what we need more of, and uh, we're very happy that you are running, is, is people of our, from our generation, uh, uh, younger people trying to run for politics because, you know, something that is, is kind of clear with the Andrew Yang campaign when he mentions 21st century solutions for 21st century problems is, you know, we have been growing up 
um, in the 21st century. We're growing up with the internet. We're growing up with all this new technology, whereas, say, Pelosi's generation was definitely not. So I think we have a little bit more of a deeper understanding, maybe. I don't know. Could you, could you maybe expand upon that? Yeah, I absolutely think there's not enough young people in Congress, um, people of color, women, engineers. If you look at the data, only 3% of members in the House of Representatives have any sort of STEM background. The average age in Congress is 58, but if you look at the leadership positions, like the speaker, the ranking members, majority minority whip, all of those people are between the ages of 68 and I think 86 years old. Wow. Yeah, it's so skewed. And our viewpoints if, if, are, matter tremendously. Our future is going to be determined by AI and automation and biotech and social media monopolies. And so we need digital natives and people who understand that, who are savvy and sophisticated about that, to guide us and help answer these very important questions. Yeah, I, uh, I would agree. Um, moving towards the Universal Basic Income March, which is actually how we got in contact, they reached out to us um, to see if we would actually talk to you. Um, you're speaking at this march coming up. Um, how did you get interested in the topic of UBI and where was the first time you heard about it? You know, I was actually trying to think about this earlier and I can't remember the exact moment. Uh, I know I was into it at least in 2016. I'm not sure if it was earlier. I might have come from my dad, uh, who's also a San Francisco resident, and, I, and you interviewed him, and he's also going to be speaking at the march. Uh, he was reading research on this pretty early on and was telling me about it. Um, and at Democracy Earth, we wrote a white paper on how you could use cryptocurrency to distribute a UBI. Um, so that was uh, when we really got into the weeds of it. And I just started, you know, reading books whenever they would come out. Uh, anytime there was a lecture at Stanford campus where I studied or here in San Francisco, I would attend and, and just try to learn more about it. But, and it made so much sense to me um, from everything that I had seen in my previous work. Um, and, and it just, you know, even just from a values perspective um, or a moral perspective, I think the root of much evil in the world comes from this notion that some lives matter more than others. And what I love about UBI is that universal is in the title. It, it applies to everyone. Everyone is valued the same with an actual do dollar amount. And it immediately takes you out of this scarcity mindset um, that is so toxic for our mental health and our ability to make healthy decisions. I'm for this because it helps us take care of each other. And that's why I'm running for office and what, what did I want to fight for? What role do you think it will play in society? Um, and how do you think the implementation, implement, implementation rollout will be like? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think distribution is the biggest bottleneck or, or obstacle to this, um, where you know, cash in hand won't work. It'll need to be in a digital form but not everyone is banked in the United States. I think there's still about 6% of Americans who are unbanked and 15% who are underbanked. Mm. Um, so that would be the technical question to solve. Um, if you talk to folks at Democracy Earth, uh, we believe that you might actually have to create another currency like a cryptocurrency um, where everyone who is registered to that ledger um, 
gets airdropped this this currency and so that's one interesting idea um and in terms of the oh go ahead no i was gonna say does that tie into this concept that i've i've been seeing thrown around uh with uh liquid democracy Mm-hmm. Is that is that somewhere around the same path? I'm just trying to wrap my head around this this term I haven't heard before. Yes, um, so they can be completely separate ideas, um, but in the democracy Earth world, we did try to tie them together. But what liquid democracy is, it's a mix between representative and direct democracy, where you could proxy your vote. You could okay. So let's say um, I am a member of Congress that will make the decisions informed by how constituents vote on an open source digital platform. As a constituent in a liquid democracy scenario, you could um, vote directly on something if you are knowledgeable and passionate about it. If you didn't have the time or knowledge base for it, the default would be that your vote would go to your representative to make those decisions. Or the third cool option is and where the term liquid comes from because power is flowing like water rather than being frozen with representatives for years at a time is that you could proxy your vote to someone that you know and that you trust in your community. Right now, most people, I think it's over 80% of Americans don't think that members of Congress will do the right thing most of the time. There's this lack of distrust and there's this perception that the reality in Congress doesn't li- match the lived experience of everyday Americans. Um, well, that's a serious <laughs> level of distrust right there. 80%. That's, yeah. that's not good. We need to, we need more energetic people like you to be uh, working to get that number changed. So if you were elected, you would be the youngest woman ever elected to the house of representatives. Do you think about that at all? <laughs> yeah, I think about it, but I actually hope that I won't be because there are other young women my age and even younger who are running that I also hope to win. So for example, Jessica Cisneros is running in Texas against an incumbent and I hope she wins and she'll be even younger than me. Wow. One of the other things that I wanted to ask about is specifically housing. So you're running for what is basically San Francisco's um, house seat. As you know, there are a ton of problems, which is one of the reasons I think why a UBI could be necessary. Um, can you talk a little bit about what your plan would be to deal with some of those problems? Mm-hmm. Right. So if you're on the ground in San Francisco, you see every day people experiencing homelessness. And one of the major reasons that it's happening is because housing is unaffordable. The rent is too damn high. And we don't have adequate access to mental health care or people can't afford to pay a few hundred dollars of a medical bill. So this is where, yes, UBI could be one of possible solutions. I mean, I support Medicare for all. Um, and a UBI, yes, would absolutely help someone pay their rent either on their own or pool money together and do co-living spaces. I see more and more people in my generation living in co-ops, co-living. I actually lived in a house with uh, nine other people before, and now I'm running for Congress, and I still have three housemates. That's incredible. It's uh, very San Francisco. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I guess building on that, um, what are some of the problems that you feel in America aren't being addressed today either? 
One is I think there's a fundamental problem and shame around the dignity of people. I think we um, automatically segregate people based on their income level or based on the color of their skin. And I would love to just value everyone just for the fact of being a human alive on planet Earth today. Uh, I think an existential threat to our survival is climate change. And I think we need to be doing way more dramatic climate action. And every technologist I've talked to in the Bay Area, for the most part, believes that we can get to a regenerative economy, that we can have renewable technology um, instead of this extractive economy. And I would say what's unique to my platform that I don't hear people talking about uh, goes back to the liquid democracy conversation where we need a more participatory governance system. The world is becoming too complex for any one person to make the right decisions all the time and capture all that data and information. And our technological capacity makes our decision-making so important because anything we do could affect millions of people dramatically. And I think a democracy is strongest when more people participate in it. So I'd love to see an upgraded voting system where people could actually express themselves in real life and hold leadership accountable to that. Yeah, it just seems like America collectively just needs one big software update across <laughs> across all industries, across yeah, all boards. People need to just got <laughs> mm-hmm. social services. With. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, just look at the DMV. No offense to the DMV, but I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what uh, so I know one of your biggest things that you lean on is the fact that the status quo must go, which I must say I, I do like that tagline. I just want you to, to kind of expand upon that. What what exactly are we talking about here with status quo? Are we talking about just in the, this ingrained politics as usual kind of thing that we need to kind of disrupt? I know the, the word disrupt can kind of be a little off putting for some people, but uh, do you think that's kind of what is needed? Yeah. And I think that's the signal that comes with challenging the Speaker of the House, the leadership of the Democratic Party, because it shows it's, it's a statement against this two party system, which already so many people don't agree with. There's not just two kinds of camps or, or ideologies right here in San Francisco and California. Forty percent of people are not registered to a party. And you see even in my race. I'm on the DCCC blacklist. The House Democrats have an official policy that says anyone who challenges a sitting incumbent will get blacklisted and can't get the same technology wow. vendors or political consultants to help wow. my, on my campaigns. That's so That's nice. undemocratic and pr- pushes out new, diverse, younger voices that we actually need from getting into the political process. Why do you think that is? Why do you think they're, they're squelching these, these um, younger, more forward-thinking ideas? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say they're, they're that radical for the changing times. If anything, I think they're, they're, they're words, um, like I said, with this, this whole notion of like an, a, a need for an update. Um, mm-hmm. You'd think that they would be listening to that. Right. For the blacklist, I can understand where their mentality comes from is that the Democrats are trying to maintain their majority. So mm. they feel like if they already have a Democratic representative, they don't want to risk losing that seat and they'd just rather hold on to it instead of having a, an election where 
a Demo another Democrat challenges them and might lose it to a Republican. But I still don't agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then also there's a, there's a grasp on power. Um, one of the ways that I see the history of the United States is that <clears throat> at independence, we transitioned from the rule of one person, King George III, to the rule of a 1% system, which is today Congress and money. 1% of this country has more wealth than the bottom half of the country. This is no longer tenable. And those power interests don't want to relinquish that. And power is not given away. You have to advocate for it and fight it and show that the average American is in the majority and together we can make a more equitable society. Now, Andrew Yang is he's mentioning in his campaign this notion of humanity first. Now, I feel like, you know, of course, this, that's, a, that's a great idea, humanity first, and, and people are, are all for it. Do you think as that idea kind of spreads more and more through a more national audience, this idea of humanity first, do you think that could lead to maybe some sort of political camp that's, I don't know, third party-ish or something that's going to break away from that two-party mold? Do you, do you foresee something like that happening? Mm -hmm. I think it certainly changes our priorities, mm -hmm. where right now in, a, in the capitalist system that we have today in its current form, we prioritize profits above everything else, even above the well-being of individuals and of our planet. So I do look forward to a world where we care about people more. And what is the role of government that is created by and for people, if not to take care of everyone? I even love how Andrew Yang uses the word dividends because as a society, we all have invested in this country and we should get some of those returns back. It's not even, it shouldn't be seen as this free pass out because the government should serve us above everything else. Can you talk a little bit about some of the dates that are coming up for you? So your election is in 2020, but um, California's registration date actually is, is or was this month. Is that correct? Hmm. So there's um, an election, a local election coming up in San Francisco, November 5th, which I encourage everyone to vote for. There's some important races for district attorney, for example. And uh, for that, you have to register to vote 15 days ahead of time. But for my race, which is March 3rd, 2020, uh, you can still continue to register um, up until next year. And the goal there is to get second place in the primary because we have an open primary system. We don't need to have one Republican challenge or the one Democrat. We can actually have whoever wins the second most votes advance. And mm -hmm. if that were to happen, it would be historic because then Pelosi um, it would be the first time that she has a Democratic challenger in the general and the first time she'd have a real debate. So mm -hmm. that'd be okay. What, uh, do you have any upcoming campaign events um, that our audience should be aware of? Hmm. Well, there's a March coming up. Um, right. hmm, I'm trying to think what the most public one is. We have some house parties. I mean, there's a creative event. We're doing a live multimedia storytelling event, um, I believe on November 8th. Night. Mm -hmm. um, that could be good to go to, but I really encourage people to expose me to their networks, to reach out to the campaign or sign up on our website to host meet and greets um, or house parties. And mm -hmm. all we ask is that you get 
10 to 20 people to show up and mm. I'll talk to you all, answer questions. And especially for listeners of, of this podcast, I think I'm the only local candidate running for Congress that has UBI on their platform that is supportive of this. Mm. Um, yeah, I think that might be true. Sorry, Connor, go on. For the UBI March, do you have uh, things planned for it as to what you want to say for it? I haven't written my speech yet, um, <laughs> but I'll definitely talk about, um, yeah, how I came to this and from a political and campaign perspective, why I believe in it or what my, how my personal experiences um, make me believe that this is something worthwhile to advocate for. Um, and then definitely we'll have volunteers there in bright orange shirts, passing things out and, you know, getting more supporters on board. Um, Agatha, can I ask you one more question? Yeah, of course. Why should the people of California's 12th district vote for you? Nancy Pelosi has been our representative for longer than I've been alive. And in that time, San Francisco and the world have drastically changed. And we need a new kind of leadership. I believe that Americans are traumatized by this Trump presidency. And it's almost like we've been to war. Uh, and I would say you could paint an analogy between Nancy Pelosi and Winston Churchill, where he won the Great War, but after that, they didn't re-elect re him for, to be prime minister. So there needs to be this new chapter, a new generation of leadership that advocates for the progressive issues that we care about and that um, represents the issues that this district plays a unique role in. San Francisco is the headquarters of Silicon Valley and builds the technology that affects the rest of the world. So we need someone who is sophisticated about technology, who looks like the residents of this district, has that shared lived experience, and can be more representative and responsive to the people right here in San Francisco. I think that's a great answer. I, I live in the 14th district. If I lived in the 12th, I would vote for you. So. <laughs> Thank you. Likewise. likewise. <laughs> Amazing. And All thanks right. for helping to spread the word. Of yeah, course. We're, so we're happy to help. But we would love to, before we let you go, just one last thing. We would love to keep a line open for you so we can do some like recap episodes in the, in the coming months, if that's okay with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that'd be great. And then people can find more about your campaign at, I believe it's agathabasilar.com. Is that correct? You can use that URL and it'll then reroute to the main campaign website, which is agathaforcongress.com. All right. Thanks so much, everybody. That's Agatha Basilar running for California's 12th district. And you can hear her speak at the Universal Basic Income March here in San Francisco on October 26th from 1 to 4. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care.